Hey, welcome back to Tunes Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Harold. As always, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Got that boy Jarvix in the house. What up? Hey. It's been a long time coming, my friend. Has it? It has. I've been having you on my radar for for a minute, man. It's it's funny because like I like mentally will be like, I need to have them on, and then it'll be like a while before. Sure. So I'm glad uh, I was able to reach out and you were down, man. So oh, thank, absolutely. Thanks for coming through. Yeah, yeah. Tunes and tunes. I mean, it's it's the best of both worlds. We out here. <laughs> Uh, real quick, top of the hour, we get a shout out to Mint Apparel. Mint Apparel has what you need if you're looking for a local shop to do screen printing, embroidery, heat press vinyl. They can even take care of your branding and logo design needs. Check them out at mintapparel.com. That's M-E-N-T apparel.com or on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also request a quote by emailing them directly at info at mintapparel.com. Shout out to John Knight. God bless you, sir. Did our Cartoon Network knockoff shirts. I don't know if there's any copyright thing there, but I haven't been hit with a hit the cease and desist yet. Well, if it's parody, <laughs> yeah, it's like transformative. Right. I mean, I've seen plenty of uh, I've I've seen plenty of shirts that, that do that sort of thing. It's as long as it's not a direct. It's it's a gray area. It is, and that's what I, that's where I live, Jarvix. That's, right, that's my area, man. <laughs> well, that's like. One of like the funny things is like I've been wanting to have you on for such a long time, and we've interacted back and forth on Twitter quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, you're quite the Twitter user. Yeah, try to be, man. I, I have to admit, like that's one of the ones I'm really like, kind of lacking on for like the podcast because I don't always <laughs> remember to put my episodes on Twitter and be like, hey, okay. check out the episode. Right. Twitter's um, where I see you most, though. Yeah, like on my personal one, I do a lot of stuff, and then I think this week I did some stuff, like because I. Released our, we released our shirts and stuff. So right, I was right. trying to promote that because we were raising a little bit of money for charity. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, man. It's just like a cool thing to be able to have a thing like a good or put on an event and tie in helping other people. Yeah. So it's kind of like I like to do that. For so. sure. Yeah. But yeah, man, we've been back and forth a couple times um, on a couple episodes or I'll post something that kind of hits like strikes a chord with you. and Yeah. Like, You'll or like vice versa. Jump in on it. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, I remember today I saw like you jumped in on something we were talking about with Alex. So he had like some obscure reference to the beats, was it? The offbeats. The, the offbeats. Yeah, because Mo Willems, the creator of the offbeats, went on to make uh, Sheep in the Big City, which he talked about. Right. That's what it was. So that was the connection. And the offbeats was um, one of those short uh, animated series from the Kablam right. uh, compilations. Yeah, we talked about that because it was like... Uh, uh, the action was it the action team? It was like there's like a naked guy. Yeah, like action league. Now. Action league now. That's what it was. Yeah. And then uh, there's some other. There's some really like interesting things on that yeah. block. I, I like Prometheus and Bob. That's the one I was trying to. That's remember. That's a good one. That was intense. <laughs> I remember that one. And then um, man, I want to say there was one more that was like really iconic to me. And then the hosts were really sure, funny on sure, that episode sure. or on that show. Yeah. But yeah, man. Um, We've just been, it's like one of those things about Oklahoma that's a funny thing, Oklahoma City specifically, I guess, is that we're all kind of like running around each other without yeah. really intersecting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, it's, you know, they always talk about the six degrees, yeah. you know, theory, and it's really like two degrees here. Yeah, for sure. It feels mean, like it sometimes. Everybody has like, one person in common. Right. It's usually Des. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Des. We talked about you earlier, Des, just yeah. on the low. Uh, 
We're just talking about cool people doing stuff in the city, and Dez is always doing cool shit. Always, so. constantly. Always got to shout out Dez. Yep. But you've been doing a lot of stuff, man. You do stuff that's more like uh, on a statewide basis too, right? A little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Dez does as well. Yeah. But she's well. Yeah. Not to say she didn't. Right. But some people are focused on the city. But. Sure. Sure. And I would argue that I mean, she typically is focused on you know hip hop. Yeah. Um. And I, uh, I'm for those who don't know, um, I uh, cover music uh, in Oklahoma, um, and I cover. I try my best to cover every conceivable genre and every conceivable you know stature of like career like whether it's somebody who's you know in a bedroom making electronic ambient music or like john moreland or jb or somebody you know everybody's fair game for me to be interested in exploring and uh as long as it's original music i'll point that out um which you know gets a little dubious because there's a lot of artists that like to kind of do both um but uh yeah, um, I, I try to make an effort to break outside of kind of the Oklahoma City bubble. Um, there tends to be like an OKC bubble and a Tulsa bubble. That's true. And then there's like random stuff from other parts of the state that never gets covered. Like uh, there's some weird stuff that happens in Ardmore sometimes. You would never think about it. Yeah. Um, Ada especially has some cool stuff going on right now, especially if you're into like metal music. Um, there's... Uh, a dude from Woodward that um, reached out to me who I had met in a prior project when he was in Weatherford. <laughs> and um, he ended up putting out an album that I put as my number four album of the year. So Tight. yeah, like you never know where the good music's going to come from. So I try, I try to expand beyond the conventions of who I know and what I know. So, right. That's and, cool, man. And that way I would agree with you. Is that kind of like the whole like background and vibe behind the uh, like that Make Oklahoma Weirder initiative? Kind of, yeah. So, yeah, Make Oklahoma Weirder is pretty new um, for those who don't know me, which is probably all of you. Um, I'm uh, I, I do music myself as Jarvix, um, and I've been doing that for about four or five years now, um, publicly and sort of in my uh, way of getting around the scene. Um, I just uh, noticed that there was a lot of really cool things happening that was just completely, it would fly under everybody's radar. You know, people would come out with like amazing work and they would put on these amazing shows and it took so much for any of it to catch the public interest that I wanted to do what I could to, you know, help bolster the cool things that I saw happening, um, which, you know, a lot of people have tried to do and it's a really difficult task um, and, I've seen a lot of platforms kind of come and go with it, but um, I'd written for a couple of other uh, platforms. I got my start at Literati Press. Shout out to those guys. You should definitely have somebody from Literati on here sometime. That sounds familiar, man. Who's, who's like, uh, who's who's hooked up there, man? Well, that's Charles Martin's thing. Right. Um, he's a he's a writer editor. He actually, I think he's writing for the Gazette again. Um, but he hmm. uh, he's got a shop in uh, Paseo called the Paseo Plunge, and there's a Literati bookstore there. Oh, that's where I and okay. I was wondering why that sounded familiar. That's yeah, what it's, what it was. Uh, novels and comics. Um, there's uh. Uh, Literati was the first uh, publication to put out uh, Heathen, which is a comic book um, written and drawn by uh, Natasha Alterici. I might be butchering that name. <laughs> um, but uh, she has since gotten picked up on, like, uh, she got picked up on Comixology, and then from there has gotten, like, distribution, like, all over the place. A really big 
um, kind of uh, comic to come out of like Oklahoma. Um, and literati was kind of like the first gear in that sort of process. Um, I think somebody actually bought like movie rights to it or something, Very which tight. you never Whoa. know if something's going to come from something like that. Right. But Sometimes people just people buy on rights it. all the time. Yeah. But, uh, that's yeah, cool, man. It's, uh, it's, uh, I've got a few of the issues. It's a, it's a comic about basically like, it's like lesbian Viking, uh, vengeance upon the gods kind of thing. It's really cool. Sounds like my vibe. It's cool. Um, but anyway, I, uh, Kind of in that same vein, uh, Charles reached out to me really early and said, hey, did you, would you like to write for us? And I was like, well, there's one thing I want to write about. I really want to cover music. And he was like, all right. And so he, having previously written for the Gazette, had a really strong editorial eye and kind of got my writing in shape really quick. I've always actually had a, a bit of skill in writing. I just hadn't flexed it very much. Figured there wasn't really much business uh, opportunity for what I was wanting to do, which is still the case, but uh, now I do it for the enthusiasm and the passion of it. Yeah, well, like but you're making your own thing. Sure, yeah. Like I went <laughs> You didn't see what you wanted to do, so you made your own thing. And then uh, I was writing for Celador Music Group for a while and really helped that grow until uh, it was no longer able to sustain itself. And then I uh, wrote for a few other things. My writings actually appeared in the Oklahoman, um, but uh, now I, I've decided to do my own thing, finally. That's tight, and So man. it's called MakeOklahomaWeirder.com. Uh, so it's a, mostly a blog, um, but there's also uh, significant amounts of uh, video content that I'm working with. And uh, there's a lot of series that I'm working on that are kind of in the works. I, I will eventually have a podcast. Um, Very cool. Yeah, for what it's worth. Um, I can't reveal any details about it, but um, it's, it's in the works and uh, interviews and things like that. Um, but, uh, since it's only been around for the website's only been around for about three months right. at this point, um, I'm still kind of working on getting that fleshed out. There's a bunch of old stuff I want to kind of bring over from the cellar door days. So there's like a really good backlog of, you know, the past three years of music that I've covered, but yeah, I mean, I, I could go on. No, it's legit, <laughs> man. I, and like, I don't know, there's not necessarily like a formula to my show. Like right. we usually just talk about anime sure, first, sure. but with you, I, I really see like this like passion for music, and I really wanted to see like what was kind of your intro to music. Like you, you're a musician in your own right oh, as sure. well. Like how did you kind of get into that? Was right. it just a product of stuff that you listened to when you're growing up, and you wanted to make your own shit or what? Right, right. That's really interesting because I actually never really thought about it seriously in any way whatsoever. Um, I uh, when I was a kid, I actually wanted to be more of an artist. Um, but then, like, my brother was kind of an artist. Like a visual like, artist? Visual artist. Gotcha. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'll be a writer. And then I got, like, really into poetry. And so I wrote poetry a lot, uh, kind of in my later grade school years and onward. It's what a lot of people kind of got to know me for. But music was never really a part of it. Um, I was in, you know, high school band. And that certainly helped because I had a kind of progressive director who would have us play, like, modern pieces, which was nice. Tight. Um, yeah, you really don't hear about that a lot, to be right. honest, yeah. Yeah. Playing so, some classic shit. Right, right, yeah. Um, so, I mean, there was there was always a part of it um, there, uh, and I would say as far as, like, um, my taste in music, that actually goes a bit into uh, a number of things. I don't want to, like, tell my whole life story. Actually, I've been on another podcast. We got time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've been on another podcast called The Praise Down. Uh, yeah, shout out to The Praise Down. Shout yeah. out to The Praise Down. All those guys. Um, so if you listen to 
my first episode with them where I talk oh, about right. a Christian band called Earthsuit. Yeah, man. Um, I talk a lot about kind of how I was brought up on Christian music, which is why a, pod, a podcast like that is like so appealing to me. Um, but uh, yeah, I kind of go into being brought up in not necessarily a strict household, but one where I was very good at self-policing. Right. And so, like, I wouldn't You're allow like, myself to... I'm going to fuck around and get myself in trouble with that right. one. Right. <laughs> like, like I, I, I distinctly remember, like, when Modest Mouse was coming around. And I was like, wow, this just sounds really good. And I had to, like, look up the lyrics to see if they cussed. <laughs> they said a curse. And I was like, ah, oh, I can't listen to these guys. I feel But you. their music's so good. And so, um, basically, what I ended up doing, I eventually grew out of Christian music, Um there was a few artists that I, a lot of it was just, you know, what the church liked and what was popular and what was on the radio. Right. And Christian your, music is generally not a great place to find, you know, really specific things that appeal to your unique tastes. With <laughs> with a couple of exceptions. Um, I mean, I liked some of the stuff that was on like Tooth and Nail Records. Um, I mean, that have some good shit. <laughs> Copeland, Anne Berlin. Yeah, yeah. I liked Anne Berlin. Under Oath was um, on there. I was really big on... Uh, there were two brothers, and they actually did an album together once, but it was like Starflyer 59 and Joy Electric. Right. Um, and then, like, they did an album called, like, The Brothers Martin or whatever. And, like, I like that stuff a lot. There was some good shit on Tooth and Nail, so yeah. shout out to Tooth and Nail. Yeah, yeah, for, you know. Seattle-based. Uh, offering something different. Um, and then other stuff. I mean, I mentioned Earth Suit just now was one right. that I liked. Um, Probably mute math, shit like that. What really kind of broke me out of that was, you know, I was always kind of into classical music. And so that kind of segued into, uh, like, cinematic, like, scores, like composers, living, modern-day composers. Yeah, contemporary composers. Yeah, you know, who did work for films. And, you know, none of it was bad because there's no words there's no secret messages or anything. It's bulletproof, baby. Yeah. And so, <laughs> like, when I was in high school, that was, like, what I was really into. Um, and that would have been, like, mid-2000s. And so, uh, I mean, I could list tons of composers. I, I just went down a rabbit hole for a couple of years. And, uh, I mean, John Williams is an obvious one. I have tons right of on. John Williams records, Danny Elfman, um, but, like, more to the time, um, I really liked John Powell and, like, Harry Gregson Williams, um, who did a lot of animated films. Right. Um, like, Ants is a film that has, like, a surprisingly really good score. Um, Disney's Dinosaur. I remember that movie. Has, like, a really good score. That one's by James Newton Howard, who is cool, phenomenal. Man. Very cool. Um, and James Newton Howard at the time was doing all of his M. Night Shyamalan stuff. Uh, which is all incredible, um, even if the movies are not. <laughs> Lady in the Water has an amazing score. I'm just here to say that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had I had a great interest in the film score stuff, and so that kind of eventually broke me out of this whole secular versus Christian right. kind of mentality. And then whenever I got in college, then I really started to kind of, you know, explore from there. Um, and actually, uh, since we all get a Spotify playlist, yeah, um, I assembled mine somewhat around this, this, uh, story where, um, my very first track on, on the Spotify playlist is actually the main theme to Ratatouille, um, which is a phenomenal score by Michael Giacchino, Giacchino, 
Giacchino. I've heard it pronounced a couple of different ways. Um, I was going to say, you're good as mine, man. I, I'm like the same way. Like, <laughs> I'll hear someone say it one way and I hear someone else say it another right. way with like any name. And I'm like, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Most recently, um, I was watching like some Disney shorts and he had, he scores a lot of Pixar stuff. And I think they pronounced it Giacchino. Oh, um, really? Okay. But I, that's the only time I've ever heard it pronounced that that's way. That's usually my bread and but butter, man. I wait for someone else to say it. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's it. Right. Um, but yeah, that first track, it's short, but it's, uh, Ratatouille has such a really beautiful and really heartwarming score. Um, like every time I listen to it, I get the warm fuzzies. It's, it's that good. And it was up for an Oscar, which is kind of rare for animated scores. Um, usually it's a song that gets nominated. Right. Best original um, song or whatever. Yeah. And that year it lost out to, uh, gosh, who was it? Dario Marianelli, I think. I, I know I'm in, like, the, the deep end part. here um, <laughs> nah, as man, far as, like, right. esoteric references. But uh, did the score for Atonement. <laughs> um, Atonement was, like, a big Oscar bait movie that nobody really remembers at this point. Um, but uh, sort of his whole thing was that movie was based around a lot of typewriter stuff. Like that typewriter was iconic in the movie, and so he used typewriter sounds in his score, and so it's like, oh, people remember that. Okay, so it won, and then it beat out Ratatouille, and I was so upset. But then, uh, like shortly thereafter, Michael Giacchino um, scored Up, and then I was gonna say everybody that remembers one, Up, like that first that first ten minutes that opening. If yeah. you don't cry, you don't have a fucking heart. It's true. Because that shit gets me every time. Yeah, I'm and like, the music Oof. is a big part of that. Well, yeah, I mean, the, I I would argue that the music makes it. Yeah. Because, I mean, it kind of takes you on, I mean, visually the movie takes you on a right. ride because right. you're going through their whole uh-huh. life. Yeah. But the music, like, it, it, it stays within the same, uh, like, motifs. Yeah. But, you know, brings them down for, like, the real somber parts. Exactly. Gets yeah. real... High and floaty when it's the real fun parts, when yeah. it's going through the compilation, when they're having to get into their savings and stuff. Exactly. So it's the same motif throughout, yeah, but it's yeah, just done right. in different ways. And I always thought that was so interesting that it's like, man, it's not like that that classic thing of like a happy song's in a major key and a sad song's in a minor key. It's like, we're going to just keep this thing going. Yeah. And it's, you know, we'll speed up, slow it down and do what we need to do. But it's going to be the same thing throughout. And yeah. I always thought that was so interesting it's the really way they cool. did that. It's, and I would say that that's one of my favorite things about film scoring in general um, because a lot of times you'll see composers have motifs like that. Right. But instead of it being all compressed in the first 10 minutes, it's the whole movie. And so, like, E.T. is a classic one. Everybody goes to E.T. in the film score world as, like, one of the iconic ones where John Williams teases this theme throughout the whole movie and then it never really explodes There's in a no fanfare resolution, yeah. until uh, they're on bikes going up in the air. And it's like, but but that theme's always there and kind of playing around. Um, there's there's tons of examples, but motifs are really strong. Danny well, I mean, Elfman's just such a, yeah. really big on those too. He'll write motifs for characters usually. Yeah. And, you'll and then know, like, like, his okay. motifs will interact with each other in yeah. the music. Um which Danny Elfman's mostly known for like his Tim Burton-y stuff. Right. But he's also had like a huge effect on action movies and superhero movies because he did the original Spider-Man soundtracks and like he did the original Hulk with Ang Lee 
and Batman, of course, where um, he's also had, you know, that whole side of cinema, too. And if you ever listen to, like, the climactic battle of the first Spider-Man, like, you hear those two motifs really battle it out in the music. It's really cool. Like, personifies it in a way yeah. that you wouldn't... It's just, like, an interesting take. As if, right. Just because, like, the approach is more than just, like, write some shit for what's on the screen. Right. It's really giving each thing its personality and kind of bringing those together and how right. they interact and, like, the yeah. resolution. That's the stuff I like. Although I will say there are other people who make it work the other way, too. No, I mean, yeah. It's Planet just, of the Apes is a classic a soundtrack. Yeah. And its whole deal is, like, there are zero themes. And everything is specifically for that moment. Right. Shout out to Jerry Goldsmith. <laughs> the deep cuts. Yeah. This episode is going to be deep cuts with Jarvix. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think we're going to lose people if I keep talking about film scores. <laughs> no, I mean, it's fun, man. I've had the <laughs> Cinematropolis people on oh, a lot. Oh, sure. Okay. So we talk a lot. I mean, those oh. guys are head and shoulders, like, more knowledgeable about oh, yeah. film sure than I am. But drop in, like, oh, the cinematographer from this film. Yeah. Black and white, French. <laughs> we, uh... 1970. Well, I mean, it, it is... I mean, it ties in because, you know, I have uh, have a good relationship with all those guys, but um, Alex Bohannon, on their podcast, uh, The Cinematic Schematic, she hosts a segment, and it's called Soundtrack. Ah. And she does a, a whole segment on each episode about... Um, different composers or um, a look at one theme from that's a different cool. from a movie like she has her own segment that's about music and so I, actually I really did not know about this yeah it's a great podcast like yeah. cinematic schematic that I don't know if they do, do they monthly take guests yeah they can I hop on. on that podcast <laughs> I, yeah I mean I don't know if they knew that you really had like this wealth of knowledge oh, I'm so sure most people don't we'll put you in touch with them for sure but <laughs> I I was lucky enough to like meet those guys and she's really cool and I randomly started having composers from cartoons on my show. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I've noticed that. And That's so really cool. it was just natural to reach out to her cuz she's like yeah. I'm like, "Hey, this is like your shit." So um she's jumped on a few episodes with me and like we've talked to composers from different cartoons that we were into and it's just like I mean, there's just so much to, like, get behind and realize what went into, like, writing these themes for different characters or different shows, different moments, carrying motifs to different moments. Yeah. And so it's just, I mean, it's really fun, and I like to have people on there, like, knowledgeable about stuff right, like that. Because for sure. I don't know everything. Yeah. But between the two oh. of us, we know quite a bit, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I would, I would venture I don't know everything. <laughs> I don't have all the answers, but I got some of them. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just fun to talk about. And I, I, like I said earlier, I'd been wanting to have you on for quite some time now. And, and one of the cool things, you know, it's pretty known now for people that listen to the show that, um, I usually do like a little outline before we do the episodes. And so, um, I get excited when people send me something and I'm like, I have not even heard of that show. <laughs> right. And so Watamote was one that yeah. I haven't checked out. Uh -huh. I think I've maybe heard of it yeah. once. I had um, a feeling. But yeah, I wanted to get like your take on that. Sure, I mean, like, what, sure. what what makes that stick out to you? Like, right. Well, yeah, there's a lot. Um, well, the first thing I'll say about it is it's something I would have never known about. Um, I'm one of those guests that doesn't particularly watch anime. Right. Um, and part of that's actually my upbringing. I wasn't allowed to watch anime for a long time. Um, even like my brother. Like used to sneak in Shonen Jumps 
like <laughs> was like sneaking playboys in. like like mon- yeah exactly <laughs> and like got in trouble for it and like you know that was kind of where i came from you know i mean things have changed but um yeah I, I just i never really watched anime and then so not being brought up on it and then not really developing an interest for it it was always you know it always felt like a certain cluster of people were always interested in it right and they weren't really my cluster of people. I didn't really have a cluster of people growing up. I was always kind of a loner. And so it's like, well, I'm not doing it to impress anybody. I don't know. I didn't really watch any anime until I was, I mean, probably like maybe six years ago. Um, and I mean, I feel like a lot of people start with like the Miyazaki movies and things right. like that. But um, like I've forced myself to watch some and like I've seen uh like Attack on Titan, and right? Like the big hits. I mean, know, I always. I mean, I've said it before. I'm the, I'm the basic bitch fan, so like people <laughs> okay. come up to me thinking I'm like an expert, and I'm like, dude, I do this show because I want to learn. Like, right. I don't right, know right. that much. <laughs> right. Um, well, one thing I've noticed about you know, which I've in, I've enjoyed to various degrees, what I've checked out. Um, I'm not really that big on action stuff, um, and so that weeds out a lot of anime. And then I also, I'll go back to Up on this. Like, part of why I love that opening part in Up is there's no dialogue and it's purely visual storytelling. That's why I love Wally so much. And that's why I love a lot of Pixar movies, is because they really know how to storytell visually. And I think there's maybe, I've seen more in like movie form animes where I see that. But whenever it's the budget's not necessarily there, maybe. I don't know how it works. But um, everything is so verbalized in anime. And if it's not spoken in, like, paragraph after paragraph of exposition, <laughs> then it's explained in internal dialogue right. on top of it. And I'm like, this is a bit much. You know, it's like you actually have characters saying how they feel instead of just feeling it. Right. And and you you have an animation form that is so expressive, so overly exaggerated at times that it's like, why can't a character just be sad? Why does the character have to say, I feel sad now? Right. And so and then like rivers of yeah, tears, like yeah. zigzagging down <laughs> right. their face. And that's always been kind <laughs> of a complaint with what I've seen. And so, but I also know not to completely write off a whole field of animation because I am a big animation fan. Um, I love uh, animation. I, I don't watch as much as I'd like to. Um, I wouldn't consider myself a buff, but um, like, I mean, I'm the guy who's going to jump in and say, you know, no, that's not a Disney movie. That's a Pixar movie. You got it wrong. You right. know, stuff like right. that. Um, or like Chris Sanders is always a story I like to tell people about how the guy who made Lilo and Stitch wanted was going to make Bolt, and then there was creative differences, and he got kind of the boot, and then he went on to make How to Train Your Dragon for DreamWorks. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's like he a whole thing. Teams. Yeah, and stuff like that. Like, I, I dig that stuff. Um, and, and I love animation just because it's such a expression. Uh, like, there's nothing like it. Um, like the the recent Leica movies, like the stop motion. Yeah, a big fanboy for every one of those. Which, by the way, Coraline has an amazing soundtrack, and they don't stream it on title. It makes me mad. 
Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's, huh. I don't know. It's composed by somebody who doesn't really do a lot of American films. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Anyway, where was I going with this? Um, <laughs> what a See, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, so I, I watch YouTube a lot to, to a fault. Um, but uh, there's, a, there's a channel on YouTube called Rebel Taxi. I don't know if you've ever heard of Rebel Taxi, but you should check it out. Um, uh, driven by Pan Pizza. Um, it's a dude who is just a huge animation fan. And he puts out like an episode every couple of weeks and they're interspliced with like podcasts and he just nerds out over animation. Um, <laughs> Jesus. That was uh yeah. If you go to the homepage, there's like an autoplay. I know. He's currently going we know that through, now. <laughs> he's currently going through every single Nickelodeon uh, feature film that was released in theaters. And I think Holy that's probably shit. what that video is from. Um, anyway, I've been following this guy for a few years and he's, he's really good about just like keeping me aware of kind of what's going on in, uh, animation. And a lot of it tends to be shows like Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon. And some, some of it will be like foreign, like his most recent one is about like a French cartoon like, that wasn't released here. Yeah. The best French anime America never got. Right. That's cool. So there's some really cool stuff on that channel. They... <laughs> Really obscure stuff his, too. His tagline is "Like Watch Mojo with standards." <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, Savage. I would say uh, "Watch Mojo with Stan Standards" is a, a different channel um, called Cinefix. That's funny. For what it's worth, uh, I'm serious about this YouTube problem. Um, <laughs> anyway, he was doing an episode, and I think it was about like unlikable protagonists. And well, there's a lot of those in anime. There's a, there's a lot of those. <laughs> um, I, and I'm pretty sure that it, this was a couple years ago and Watamote came up and I don't know if it was on the list or if it was just um, a mention, but I was just like, this is interesting. And so I watched like a couple of scenes from it and I was like, okay. And then it was on Hulu. And so I watched like the whole thing in a week and liked it a whole lot. I was surprised because, like I said, I, I have some hangups when it comes to anime. Um, but kind of the gist of it is, it's it's. Um, uh, I mean, it's basically about social anxiety, um, is what it is. But it's like through the lens of like, you know, a teenage girl in high school, and it's like, of course, this would be the anime that. I like for some reason. The <laughs> I one can that relate, I relate to, to an, uh, a teenage high school student, uh, a teenage a Japanese <laughs> schoolgirl. Um, but it's it's really interesting because all of that internal dialogue that I complain about actually works here because you know, as both of us being overthinkers, you might be able to relate to, you know, like if you're asked a question, your mind goes through so many different <laughs> ideas. Yes. And the worst a, one first. Right. And this is a show that actually shows all of that and like expounds on it. And it, it, you'll have all this buildup of like, you know, the things that can happen. And then like at the very end of it, it's like the cold of like uttering two words, you know, without seeing like, like the other characters don't see all of this internal right. monologuing. It's for us. It's for it's us. It's like exposition for yeah. us. And it has a purpose. Um, 
more so than just like conveying the plot because it's not really there for that. It's there more as an expression of, you know, character. Yeah, you're developing her right, like the psyche, like her how she runs through shit. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of how I would describe it. Um, it's uh, it gets pretty weird too, which I like how weird it gets. <laughs> Um, not weird in a way where it's like, whoa, that's like completely out of nowhere. Um, like it's it's pretty grounded, I would say, for being an anime. Like there's like zero supernatural elements whatsoever. You know, uh, it's just it's kind of a high school drama comedy kind of thing. But it's just it's it's not a uh, it's antisocial, you know, as opposed to being social, where I feel like a lot of those are social, if if that makes any sense. Um, and I don't know, just like this character who's kind of a terrible person and all she wants to do is be popular, but she's like, clearly not. And she's like way more interesting for not being popular, but like, that's all she wants. And so like every episode is like, since I'm not like the title say, since I'm not popular this, and it'll be like whatever that episode's about. Um, but it's like just trying these different things to be cool and, uh, avoiding, social interaction sometimes. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's really, uh, it speaks a lot to stuff that I went through. I was going to say, it sounds really re like relatable. It's right? really relatable for anybody who's had, who's had like social anxiety to see it kind of personified in this way, uh, is really like, wow. Okay. No, here's some people who actually understand, um, like the frustrations and the anxieties of it. Which, you know, a lot of people don't think I have anxiety. Uh, well, it's because it, I've dealt with it and yeah, I'm better yeah. at it. Yeah. And a lot of it's hidden now. <clears throat> um, but, like, there's some things that, like, go back to, like, wow, that's something I did when I was, like, five years old. <laughs> and the, here it is in an anime. Um, and it's, it's also really awkward, too, which I like. Um, like, the character is awkward um, in trying to be cool and... Sometimes it's cringy because of that, and sometimes it's Ugh. hard to watch. Oh. But it's I get not bad always. secondhand embarrassment, so I'm like, I do too. Oh, God. <laughs> but it's not always that way. Okay, good. It's not always that way. Cringe um, for the sake of cringe. I'm like, I can't do it. Right. Well, it's not for the sake of cringe, though. It's for the sake of this whole character. Yeah, it's to um, develop her. Yeah. yeah. And there's not a whole lot of an arc, and there's only the one series. Um, it's just 12 episodes, right? Yeah. And I mean, from what I understand, there's like a, like, a bunch of manga out yeah, there. Yeah, some like a um, series, which is apparently did. written by somebody that nobody knows. Like it's an anonymous pseudonym of some sort. I guess so. That's kind of tight. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. That it's, would make sense. That would be a person that didn't want to be known. It makes sense. That did a series like this. Um, yeah, but it's just I don't know. Like there's there's one moment I remember where it's like she's going to a. Uh, there's so many moments I could talk about. Uh, some of them are kind of suggestive, actually, because this is also a character who's kind of like dealing with like sexuality at this right. stage of her life. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. And like she's kind of attracted to her friend, and but not. And like she has like these dating sims that are popular. That and old chestnut. All that, all that stuff. Um, no old Newgrounds dating sims, man. I think we've all dabbled, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I, as an example, I mean, like, as a really simple example, there's one scene where, like, she goes to a coffee house, coffee shop for the first time, and doesn't know what, like, the, the grande and the tall mean. And it's like, it's just the letters. 
Right. And it's like, okay, the G's at the bottom. And she's like, what does it mean? And it's like in her brain, it's like all these G's are flying everywhere. And it's like, what's the G? Uh, and she's like, oh, it means giant. And so like she orders a giant. And then, and then you know, the server like very calmly says, oh, you mean grande. And it like, you know, <laughs> has an well, effect. Just like, yeah. Um, it was like, like the progression of that moment. Yeah. Like just a singular moment like that. And like it gets worse. Like she sweetens it up too much, like puts too much honey in there. And then it tastes terrible. And then she goes to like leave and she falls and she Ugh. drops the drink. Oh my cringe. Um, yeah. Like that part where you you like ruin it and then you're like, but you're too nervous to like ask for a new one. Right. So you're like, uh yeah. I'm just gonna fade into the darkness. Right, right. Yeah, which I mean, yeah, there's some there's some really good visualizations of that sort of thing too. Um but yeah, it's just it's a really weird, obscure kind of thing that like people who know about it are like super big fans of it and like super relate to it. And so like of all the anime I've come across, like that's one that really makes sense to me. And then on top of it, it's like, um, yeah, I mean, w one of the th other things I kind of have an issue with anime sometimes is I feel like it's too melodramatic a lot, a lot of times. That is very accurate. I'm okay with some <laughs> melodrama, but sometimes it's a bit much, but here it's totally appropriate because for the situation, it's, for the, situation. Right. It's, 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 the whole point is, you know, a melodramatic state of mind. Um, so I don't know. I think it's an obscurity yeah. that I just, I've, I'm, I'm a big fan of just everything about it. Definitely, man. Well, I think it, I mean, a lot of that stuff does make sense as, as far as like it being too tropey for other stuff, but really working for that series from what it sounds like you're saying. Yeah. Because it's just like, I don't know, like when you're that age, everything is the end of the world to you. Right. So it's like, it would make sense that she would yeah. really blow shit out of proportion right. because that's. That's just how you are whenever right. you're that age. Like. And I mean, that totally <laughs> makes sense as like, if I was that age and I was going through all that and watching any anime at that age, I probably would be more into it because I'd probably relate more to the melodrama. Right. But having gotten into it so late, I'm like, why are they making such a big deal out of yeah. this, you know? So maybe part of it's just my advantage. But. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that is true. But I think a lot of that has to do with like, the way you interact, especially at that age. Like, right. I grew up in the church too. Yeah. So like, it's definitely like, I see some stuff where I'm like, oh, okay. Like I'll talk, I'll meet someone and be like, oh, you grew up in the church. Like just some telltale signs. Yeah. And like, uh, anyone that knows like strong, bad or anything like the, right, right. the, the praise down guys are yeah. like perfect examples. Exactly. Like they drop, uh, like teen girls squad uh -huh, references, uh -huh, strong, yeah. bad references all you the know, time. And I I'm was like, so sheltered. That I actually took it upon myself to ask my parents is if it was okay for me to watch Homestar Runner. Really? Yeah. Because I wasn't sure about the word freaking. Oh, yeah. That was. Or flipping. I think they said, did they say they crap? They said flipping a I lot. They said something that well, was like. Well, crap was okay in my household oh, for really? some reason. Huh. But like stuff like flipping, because it's like, it's not a curse, but like. The intent. Biblically, the intent. Yeah. yeah. To have done it. In your mind, right? You have done it in it's your the same heart. As doing it, yeah. So, <laughs> so it was one of those. I was like, "Mom, is it okay for me to watch this?" And then I was just like, all about it. And I had dial up all the way through high school. Oh my fuck! Yeah, like we didn't. We never. We were out in the country, not the country, country, but just far enough outside that it was like ridiculous. That expensive it was inconvenient. To get. Yeah, yeah. So it's like. 
that's all I had. <laughs> so Flash cartoons, I was Roughing still watching. It, baby. Still watching Flash animation. That's all right. You got to do what you got to do. Oh, sure. Yeah, the Teen Girl Squad, that shit cracked me up. Yeah. Um, that's so funny that that is something that I've come to look forward because I listen to their show all the time. This is going to be a this episode is just going to be a long commercial for the praise down. Yeah, I love that show. No, but you should watch it. But everyone. uh, I watch uh, it. I said, <laughs> watch it on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> watch them. Watch the little bar move. Um, no, nah, man, it's uh, like I've come to like look for when they drop references and people don't get it. Yeah, and I'm like, ah, you didn't get that strong bad reference. Right. Yeah. And sometimes I don't catch them. I'm like, fuck. Oh man, there's <laughs> like, so I thought many I knew my shit. They're so referential. I don't catch a lot of stuff. Yeah. But one of the things we were talking about, it's kind of like fringe, but like those really bizarre commercials. It was something you mentioned that you wanted to talk about. And I'm like, dude, that's like strong, bad. It's kind of along the lines of like Homestar Runner, like salad finger type shit. Oh, yeah. Like I'm like that. I remember consuming all that shit. Like it was all like YouTube stuff that was like the thing that people would see it and be like, oh, like I got to drop that reference when I'm talking to my friends. (laughs) Right. And then it's like. I don't know. It was one of those things, especially like growing up, like in the church, it would be like a thing that was like you needed to get the reference. And so you could be able to drop it. And then if you're not catching the references, you're like, oh, man, like I need to watch whatever they're watching. Right. Right. And it's funny because like you think it's contained to maybe your youth group or something. Yeah. But like if you go to Falls Creek or something like I went to Falls Creek all the time and like Somehow, like, every youth group knew all the same shit. Like, yeah. they know all the same references. I'm like, yeah. did they send, like, an email around about, like, Strong Bad or something? Right. Did no, everybody true, watch though. this? Yeah. Like, what's the deal? Well, I knew it was a big thing whenever uh, there was a Christian band that thanked Homestar Runner at the Dove Awards. Are you serious? Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, so everybody knows about this. Okay. I don't remember which band it was. It wasn't even a, a big, like like, a rock band or anything. It was, like, Casting Crowns or something. <laughs> my god third day or somebody it was something like that <laughs> where it was like you guys know about homestar runner i don't yeah, remember what band it was it's that phenomenon of like i don't know i guess it's the egocentrism of it you think that your experience is unique to you oh sure and then when you find someone that like it's a shared experience you're right. like holy shit yeah like someone that's what the praise down is all about it the is whole thing it really is it's like oh yeah we all had church experiences like that like just the games they play and stuff, yeah. like the stuff that you would do at church versus friends that maybe weren't particularly ones that went to church. Right. It's just interesting. But yeah, I remember it was funny to hear you mention Salad Fingers by name just because I haven't thought about that video in such a oh, long time. I love Salad Fingers. But wasn't that, it was like a series of like commercials, right? Was that the one that was like a part of a series that were like rejected commercials? You're thinking of... What am I thinking of? You're thinking of... Uh, My spoon is too big? Is yeah, you're, you're thinking of Rejected. That's what it was. Uh, which is uh, an Oscar-nominated short film by Don Hertzfeld, who, yeah... He, he pitched was those like, commercials, and they got yeah. rejected, right? Well, they weren't real. It, it was all for the narrative of it. Right. Like, there's for not the really a learning channel that they were... Because that's what, that's what it is. It's like... It's all hand-drawn animation, right? For those who don't know, it's a classic YouTube. We've like, got a link pre to this YouTube, shit. <laughs> yeah. Rejected by Don Hertzfeld is such an influential. Like people do not give enough respect to Don Hertzfeld for Rejected because his sense of humor, like, 
really influenced just internet humor in general. I that is very accurate. One hundred percent. I mean, it was like early two thousands when he came out with that. It was Oscar nominated, and they weren't actual. To my knowledge, they weren't actual because they were not real companies. Yeah. Because he was like, okay, here's like you know a hand drawn animation of my spoon is too big. Yeah. Which is like just a character in front of a bowl and the spoon is too big for the bowl and the character just says my spoon is too big and my then a spoon is banana too walks big. into the frame <laughs> and says I am a banana and then it cuts to you are now watching the learning channel yeah. or whatever it was amazing and I mean, it's those like, videos are crazy it's very surreal and it has a phenomenal ending too that's actually like whoa it's breaking the fourth wall on top of it um, phenomenal uh, piece of work and uh, yeah, not not appreciated enough. Actually, he just recently um, uploaded it again to YouTube in like full HD. Nice. Yeah, because people are always passing it around in like really crappy quality. Right. And when YouTube was first starting in 2006, you know, we didn't have all this broadband that we do now. Right. So uh, yeah, Don Hertzfeld, like if he had a series, that would be in like you know my favorite stuff. He's gone on to do really serious films within the style of his crude drawing animations. I remember those being iconic, and it must have been like that. I, f I feel like it's like this happens to me all the time. I'm sure it happens to all the people, everyone, but like I feel like this happens to me all the time when I'm trying to bring something up that I'm just like something, some piece of media that I consumed as the same time, at the same time as another piece. So I think those are connected. Yeah. And I think that's what Salad Fingers was, because I remember when oh, that, yeah. it's I all remember the same time. Out, yeah, it's true. And I was just like, is that what that was? Right. And I meant to look it up before we started, but I didn't. And that's like a really good deal, too, because both of those creators, they're totally different people. Right. Totally different places. But they both have like a really strong DIY aesthetic uh, that I just love. I mean, Don Hertzfeld has gone on to do, uh, like most recently, he, he did a short film called Ah, The World of Tomorrow, which is on Netflix. You should watch it. It's like 15 minutes. It's like some of the most intelligent like sci-fi stuff that like people don't even think about you know like one thing is like time travel and it's like nobody ever thinks about time travel in the context of do you travel to the same exact spot in the universe if oh, you travel yeah. back in time and if you do you probably don't end up in the same place on the globe and so like there's this phenomenon of people traveling back in time and they end up in Earth's orbit and just like suffocating to death. Jesus. <laughs> there's like <laughs> he's a he's a I should mention both of these have dark humor. <laughs> <laughs> Don Hertzfeld is pretty dark. Um although a little bit more I don't know. They're both pretty absurdist. Um but uh Don Hertzfeld like straight up got offers pouring in to do work, and ironically, he was offered to do those Pop-Tarts commercials. Oh, yeah. And then he didn't want to work for the man, you know? He didn't want to compromise his art, and so they basically stole his style. Yeah, I never thought of that, yeah. but, yeah. dude, it totally I, is. He tried to sue him for it. Well, this shit looks just like it. It is, it's exactly. Listen, I can't have a dog the crazy in that fight, good, The Crazy Good series of uh, Pop-Tarts commercials are, are a direct theft of Don Hertzfeld's style. I can't get into that, though. I got my whole <laughs> copyright thing going with my shirt. Right. <laughs> um, so Salad Fingers is kind of the same era, um, a bit more new groundsy, because Don yeah. Hart's felt is strictly hand-drawn. Definitely. Um, he draws everything by hand. 
and it's a very laborious process. Uh, and then the creator of Solid Fingers is David Firth, um, who is an insane person and is also a genius. And Solid Fingers is what he's known for, but he's actually come out with all kinds of stuff um, and has been working on a feature film for like years and has to like keep, you know, putting it on the shelf and picking it up and putting it on the shelf and picking it up. Um, but David Firth is, I actually support him on Patreon. I'm so really with his work. Yeah. Um, Salad Fingers Very is cool. still going. Um, people maybe just remember it as like a relic from 15, 10 years ago. Um, but like there's literally, I got an update last week on Patreon that new Salad Fingers is coming this year. So Jesus. Yeah. There's like 11 episodes of Salad Fingers. It's amazing. And like they started out, you know what? There is a whole spoon thing. Because I think in the first episode, uh, okay, so Salad Fingers is a very surreal cartoon. It's experimental. I have a rusty spoon. Rusty spoons, yeah. That's what it was. Uh huh. I just like had an epiphany in That's front of That's what it you. is. I've never put that together. My spoon is too big, and I have a rusty spoon. Plus, may I inquire about your spoon? I have a rusty spoon. And then he finds spoons, and he directed a video, music video for Flying Lotus. Yes, that's amazing. Um, actually, he he works with Flying Lotus. He's that's Flying lit. Lotus is such a big fan of what David Firth does that, um, like, uh, I want to say his music has come out under Flying Lotus's like one of his labels or something. I don't know the specifics, Very tight. but like David Firth has had work supported by Flying Lotus, and David Firth has actually mentioned like he would never do a music video for anybody. And then he did one for Flying Lotus. And he said, well, actually, there's like five people I would ever do them for. And Flying Lotus happened to be one of them. That's amazing. Yeah. Hey, shout um, out to Flylo, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it'll look nothing like Salad Fingers because um, he's got he's been experimenting a lot with um, kind of animating more photographic things, um, whereas Salad Fingers is strictly like flash animation, hand-drawn. Oh, very like, two-dimensional like rotoscope stuff. type shit or what? Well, not rotoscope type shit. Um, more like, uh, what's a good... Okay, this is a really bad example, but do you remember <laughs> jib-jab? Yeah. It's jib-jab stuff. Okay. Where it's like, you know, you take a photo, but you like animate it. Um, like, the, his... like the Franz Ferdinand music video. Yeah. Take me out. Kind of. It's yeah. Like... It's, it's like a more evolved version of that. Um, there's a, there's an amazing short that David put out last year called cream and like, check out cream. It's, it's disturbing, but it's also wonderful. And he's always very critical of like society and government and all these things like government, socioeconomic, um, structures, you know, things that are oppressive. And uh, cream is about somebody invents this miracle cream that just solves problems, period. And then he like takes this idea and really like follows it to its like inevitable end, um, which is like, yeah, you just have to see it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's pretty surreal, and like there's nothing hand drawn about it, um, but. Uh, salad fingers, I should explain to the listeners, 
<laughs> we gotta link. We gotta like have like a list of shit that we're gonna have to right, link to. Right, probably. People are gonna have to watch this to know what the fuck we're talking right. about. Salad of Fingers is like an, a very strange being. I wouldn't necessarily call him a person, or even a him an entity. They, um, Salad Fingers is is a green entity, a humanoid entity. You know, head, large eyes, bad teeth, crudely drawn, and instead of like full hands, has just very, very long fingers and basically lives in like a desolate, dystopian, like other plane of existence almost. Like it's just like a deserted place and it feels like maybe this. Salad Fingers is the only thing that lives there except for these occasional characters that come through the narrative. But then the whole series constantly is having you question how much of it is in his brain, how much of it's real, and how much of it's not. Like, it really is insane. And David Firth legitimately has psychological problems, and so he expresses a lot of this through his work. <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's like a catharsis for him. Well, yeah, most definitely. Um and uh, very eerie music. Um, if it's not his own compositions, it's like Boards of Canada kind of stuff, um, which if you don't know Boards of Canada, that's a kind of an experimental ambient electronic project um, that's like experimental to the point of they've even used subliminal messaging in their music before. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my God. Yeah. Um, the Salad Fingers like starts out and it's like the first episode is like three or four minutes and it's just he's looking for spoons, I think is either the first or second episode. And it's the one that, you know, a lot of people remember. And it's just, you know, uh like yeah. It's it's kind of David Lynchian too. Yeah. Um, it kinda is. Sound design is very much like a David Lynch film. And the pacing and the pure abstraction of it, where nothing makes any real sense, you know, like in a plot way. Um, Trying to remember what happens. I don't remember all the plot points. It gets darker with every episode, and it starts off dark. Um, but I remember the spoons, because he finds these spoons, and then he, like, they're rusty spoons, and he begins to, like, graze his finger across yeah. the <gasps> rusty spoon. It's ASMR before there was ASMR. Yeah, it is, because, like, the, the noise that it makes is, like, it's like this rumble in your ear. It's, and like, it's unsettling. Like, and, and the thing is, he, he gets off on it. Like, it's orgasmic, is what he says, I think. Um, and then there's, like, a hook in the wall, and it's like, ooh, a rusty hook. And then he like impales his finger on the hook. And then there's like this whole song about, I like it when, when the red water comes out and he like <laughs> loses <laughs> all of his blood it. and is like, you know, anemic on a floor. It's just, it's bizarre stuff. It is. But the design of it is so good. And like from episode to episode, there's something about it to me that feels profound and yet none of it makes any sense. <laughs> and I feel that way about a lot of David Firth's work. Some of it's a bit more plot-oriented, like Cream, and some of it's really out there. And it's like, wow. Um, 
I wish I could remember all the titles to everything. Um, but uh, Salad Fingers is what he's known for. And uh, it's, it's uh, really, really amazing tonal work. Like, I just, there's, there's, like, it's a turnoff for a lot of people. Some people just can't stand to watch it. It creeps them out too much. But for me, it's almost like watching a racer head or something. Right. Or it's like it's a comfortable place for me. It's weird. And I don't know. Everybody's wired a little bit differently. What um, an interesting place to end up because you're talking about we started out, you're you're asking your parents if you can watch Strong Oh, Bad. sure, sure. <laughs> to right. like where it is now. Like, oh, man. The last episode. What an interesting like uh, yeah. journey that is. The last episode of Solid Fingers that, that came out was like pretty gnarly. I think it was like 2017 or something. I was like, whoa. You uh, like called your parents. Can I watch this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, those days are long nah, gone. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's too funny. Man. But yeah, Solid Fingers, um, big big favorite of mine. And it's it's one of those that, I mean, you just think about it as like a webtoon. But it like for me it transcends the the medium. Like right. it's a whole different thing. Well yeah, I mean I think that's like the thing of what we do as people a lot is put things in boxes. So Oh sure. I think it is I mean, I'm guilty of it as anyone else. Yeah. Of them being like, No, that's that thing. Like that doesn't we're not gonna talk about that thing. Right. But when you mentioned that I was like Let's talk about that. That's funny. I don't know <laughs> that that would ever have come up in well, that's with anyone ever there. again. It is one of my favorites, but it's also like I tried to like throw you some stuff that I thought, you know, might be a little bit different. Some cool curveballs. Yeah. Man. I don't know. Like I said, I don't think I would have ever talked about I mean, that I, I love Rick and Morty. Yeah. Almost like to the point of embarrassment because it's like I hate that I love it so much <laughs> because of how popular it is. Right. And just the bandwagon of it. But, like, I do freaking love Rick and Morty. And it's one of those that I can actually watch them over and over again. Right. And they don't get old. That's how good of a show it is. But to come on here and say, oh, I'm going to talk about Rick and Morty. <laughs> You're like, meh. <laughs> no, thanks. Um, <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Oh, sure. No, You'll have somebody. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. A little bit, sure. Um, but just, like, it's never been just, like, the go-to thing right. like, for anyone that we have come on. More like of the, it's more because like the structure of the show is just like, we talk about the shit that we were into back then. Oh, sure. And that's not really like. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the, yeah. That's like the meat of it. Yeah. And that's why my Spotify playlist is the way it is. Because a lot of that music isn't really modern. A lot of it's kind of like stuff that came out years ago. That's true. I mean, ago. yeah, you, so, uh, I think it's known that you're a pretty big fan of Beck. Beck is my, my man. Yeah. Well, I mean, multi-instrumentalist. I mean, yeah. I see a lot of parallels with you and him too. Cool. Cool. It's a compliment. He's a big influence for sure. Um, I typically chalk my influences up to Tune Yards and David Byrne because they're a little bit more like me in a purely artistic sense. But like in a musical sense, I relate a lot to Beck. And Beck was more or less... So like, you know, in, in my trajectory, I talked about, you know, finding cinematic scores and then eventually kind of getting into music, like popular music and... This would have been like mid-2000s, and Beck was kind of riding a wave at that point. Um, Radiohead was riding a wave at that point. And, like, like those were two artists that I was like, wow, this, is, this stuff is amazing. And I'm listening to it now, 
And it was like stuff that just really expressed things in me that I just had always wanted to be expressed in a way, I guess, that I just hadn't had. And Beck in particular, who is kind of a weird dude, <laughs> but he like keeps his weirdness kind of like in a certain framework. Right. And I feel like that's kind of where I, I fall a lot of times because, you know, I make some weird music and I make some weird choices sometimes, um, but I don't feel like I've ever gone completely out there. Like, you know, experimentation within certain, I wouldn't say boundaries, um, but guidelines maybe. Um, but yeah, like here in Odelay for the first time, uh, which, I mean, it came out in like 1996 and I heard it like 10 years after it came out. But it was like a revelation to me, hearing Beck. And I think that's the tweet that I put out that you're like, okay, you're coming on the show. <laughs> and I yeah, was like, I mean, like yeah. the first time I heard Beck, that like changed my my perspective on music. Because uh, here was a guy who didn't fit into a genre and like very purposefully mashed a lot of things together that just sounded like this stuff shouldn't work together. Right. Um, but it's such a collage of things. And then I kind of went down that rabbit hole, and then the information came out, uh, which is easily one of my favorite Beck albums, although I feel like a lot of people aren't into it as much. Um, I think it was maybe even a little bit ahead of its time. Um, and actually, one of the tracks from the information is on my playlist because of that. But yeah, um, Beck just, you know, the way he blended genres, the way that he like, wasn't really a great singer, you know? He kind of did his, like, weird like rap talk, thing. Rap talk. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, which was, like, nobody was really doing that, you know? Not um, at that time, I don't it's think. Almost like. Like, it's almost like he did mumble rap 20 years before it happened, <laughs> if you think about Check it. Check out back on Spotify. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, what is SoundCloud. it? SoundCloud. SoundCloud, yeah. yeah. <laughs> SoundCloud rap. Um, That's funny. But just, like, all that, the sampling that you know, went into a lot of his music. Right. And then at the same time, he could also come out with something like Sea Change or like Morning Phase, which he won the Grammy for, which even as a big Beck fan, that Grammy should have went to Beyonce and not Beck. Yeah. Um, it was funny to see that, though, because, like, people attacking Beck that had never heard of Beck. Sure. And then, like, they're, uh, I remember seeing people tweet, like, the, like, credits on the album and stuff. Yeah, he's like Beyonce and then like oh Beyonce has a lot of help, yeah. And then back and he's like, right. Someone was like, this motherfucker plays like twelve instruments, right, right. And I'm like, it's Ew. true, it's true. I don't think Beck had thought he was gonna win that. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I was shocked. I remember I was, I was watching that. He got that nominated. And I, was like, I was like, holy smokes! I mean, that's that's award shows. I mean, yeah. if you become a veteran and you haven't won anything for stuff that like changed the course of music or film or whatever. You always get like a gimme award. The DiCaprio. Yeah. Yeah. I like to go to 1993 where uh, Tommy Lee Jones won for The Fugitive. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Yeah. He won an Oscar for that. <laughs> he won an Oscar and he beat out Ray Fiennes in Schindler's List. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's the way award shows work. Man. It's ridiculous. And that's why Beck beat Beyonce and I yeah. can't stand it. Um, but it was also a good album. Yeah. Morning phase is really good. Um, but I liked it. 
I like that Beck doesn't ever corner himself to genre or pigeonhole himself. Right. And I've very specifically tried to do that. Even in, like, my name creation is actually based on Beck a little bit. Because, like, his name's Beck Hansen. But, like, he didn't start a band or anything. And he didn't, like, call himself something right. that was, like, going to pigeonhole him. Like, you have a band that calls themselves, like, Panic at the Disco or something. I mean, you kind of get a certain, like, okay, try and be Panic at the Disco and come out with something like Morning Face. Yeah. It doesn't quite fit. You do, you do kind of box yourself I mean, yourself you in. can do that, but, like, chances are, I mean, it's more kind of like, it's like, it's like, um, what Damon Albarn releasing his solo stuff as gorillas, you know? Right. That's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, like as Jarvix, I mean, it's kind of a weird name. Um, but it's also to me some, it's a bit of a blank slate. Like I feel like I can do a lot of different styles of music and Jarvix kind of fits with most anything that I'm doing. Um, maybe not quite as, as much of a blank slate as Beck. Um, but I've just always admired his ability to just do all these different styles and all these different things and, you know, just be himself. It's like, what does Beck sound like? He sounds like Beck. Right. You know? um, Ween would be another example, but I got into Beck before I got into Ween. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, Beck is a, a big inspiration and uh, one of the few artists that I pretty much own all the albums of, which is kind of rare. So, yeah. Uh, Big fan. Oh no, uh, yeah, we uh anytime Beck comes up, I mean it almost always is Odelay that Odelay is, the, is the big one. Odelay is conversation. I think Adams we shouted out Robot House earlier. I think it okay. might have been off mic, but yeah. Uh, uh I think it was Adam when I had him on. I was a big fan of Beck and yeah. have Odelay is specifically something he's into. I know I know Brett's more of like nine inch nails, Trent Reznor oh, type sure. shit. That's cool. And so interesting parallels with those guys and yeah yeah those guys are into really good music too. totally so. is great i think it's like more of an accomplishment and more of its time like made a huge splash right and you know came right off of mellow gold which is what losers from and really kind of said right oh yeah no this is no one hit wonder situation um uh personally i really like midnight vultures Midnight vultures is my favorite one um it's more conceptual and it's it has more of a character to it, I think. Um, like it's not just throwing everything at the wall. It's a little bit more uh, curated, even though it's like basically making fun of other music at the time. Um, that's if you've ever heard uh, Deborah. Um, that's from Midnight Vultures, um, which is like a six-minute long, like <laughs> uh, just hitting on a hitting on somebody <laughs> at J.C. right? Um, with just like the sleaziest like commentary and also like just the most like unimpressive. I mean, there's like some really quotable lines from that. Um, step inside my Hyundai <laughs> stuff like that is, <laughs> and it's a slow jam. It's like, it's got saxophones and it's real smooth. And the other thing about midnight vultures is it's like the only time that Beck really completely belts things out, like in a falsetto, like he didn't do that on anything, anything else. And I think he probably maybe even have had results from that. Because when I saw him live, he couldn't hit those notes anymore. But, really? But man, yeah. The way she goes, man. Yeah. If you ever listen to, if you know Deborah, which is like, I mean, there there were some hits from that. Sex Laws was a song from that, which has like, you know, it's all, it's all like Midnight Vultures is like 
you know, kind of a riff on music that's supposed to be like sexual and sensual and appeal to ladies and, you know, very like lounge lizardy kind of stuff, but like with R&B, but then Sex Laws has like a huge like banjo section in it and it's like what <laughs> but i don't know deborah's phenomenal and if anybody ever has that on karaoke i always look for it and it's never there damn but i will karaoke some deborah dang they look for it at yeah uh, seems like this guy uh i can't remember the name of the dude that runs it at bunker but it seems like he always has everything oh yeah so i don't know That'd be I, cool. I don't want to over promise well it deliver, wasn't ever like but, a single like a hit and that's right. kind of the thing that kind of holds it back but it's it's kind of like a cult hit, kind of a B-side legendary thing. I want to say it was, I haven't seen Baby Driver, but I want to say it plays like a role in Baby Driver. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dude, that movie's soundtrack is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think like a lot of the things that you're really doing right now and like into is a product of us having like a really cool, like collaborative scene. In oh, Oklahoma sure. City. I mean, even just like walking in. We walked past Micah, Micah uh-huh. Young. Yeah. And she's been gigging like all over uh all over town. She's been playing with like Jose Hernandez and stuff. Yeah. And then just you guys just exchanging and didn't really know each other, but like you knew of each other. So yeah, it's like a yeah. cool it's like a cool time to be doing music in the it's city. It's a I feel really like. cool time. And yeah, especially just um I mean, like five years ago I was complete nobody. I was working retail as a college flunky. And, like, I didn't think music was ever a thing. And it was, like, it got to that point where I was, like, you know what? I'm going to do some music. Like, I'd been putting some stuff on SoundCloud anonymously and getting some good response. And it's, like, ever since I made that decision, I, like, slowly found a community where I actually have a place. Yeah. And it was, like, amazing. Because I've been a loner my whole life and still am in some ways. But now I have friends and I have, like, people who care about me and care what I think and all that stuff and it's uh it's crazy and of course the creative element too um not just with like i mean if if i were just left to my own devices doing music i would probably get around um but i wouldn't meet the breadth of people that i've met since i've started writing about music because in my efforts to cover everything i'm exposed to everything and so like stuff like uh hardcore death metal not really my thing, <laughs> but I've I've developed an appreciation for it, and I, I can go to those shows and enjoy it and write about it in a way that actually has some insight, and it's just I would never have that. And I probably wouldn't have that in, like, a different city either because there's some cities that are bigger and not as connected, and everybody's kind of, like, um, yeah, just less connected, and so... Like, I would probably never even be a part of that scene. Hip-hop's another one where it's like, go figure, you know. Like, I'm I'm one of the least hip-hop savvy people around. Like, I did not grow up with it. I grew up on DC Talk, you know. <laughs> well, it's kind of hip-hop. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. You can, you can debate <laughs> that. Um, Some KJ5, you too. Can, you call it rap. You can't call it hip-hop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But, uh yeah, I mean, but, like, the hip-hop community is really awesome. Uh, really l- cool stuff happening there. And then, like, lo and behold, I've, you know, as of a couple of years ago, I've started working rap into my live set. And so, like, I do a thing where 
like I will sample from somebody's cell phone and run it into my looping pedal and like build a beat out of it and then rap on top of it, which is like one of people's favorite things about my shows. And it's like, I don't know that that would have happened if I weren't, you know, regularly exposed yeah, to like immersed in it. rap music like that and really getting a feel for like, you know, what, what makes it tick, you know? So it's, it's really interesting being influenced, like, not just by, you know, people like Beck and Tune Yards and Talking Heads and I could go on, Elbow, Radiohead. Elbow is one I didn't put in. I should have put that. Elbow's great. We should talk about Elbow <laughs> sometime. It's, like, totally, like, contemporary, like, like, music that's not even for people my age, really, but I love it. Um, I shouldn't say that. That's ageist. Um, how dare you how dare I anyway but it's just like amazing to be as influenced if not more influenced like by people who are like here and around me um, I would even venture to call them contemporaries or peers yeah you know or I mean, it's you like guys we're are all kind of scene. in it yeah yeah and like you know I you know I play shows all over the place with all different kinds of music and it's just really cool not to mention writing about all of it right I know you tapped like bands like Special Thumbs and Flock of Pigs. Oh man, there's some bands that stick out that like, you know, maybe that like, right now that you're super into or that you think should get like hell. There's love. so many. Um, so probably the easiest thing you can do, uh, makeoklahomaweirder.com. Under the blog section, I have something called Jarvix's Big Fifty, and I've been doing it for three years. I just wrapped up my third year and. I basically count down what I think is the best music, recorded music, to have come out of the state. Um, and I mentioned, uh, I mentioned the guy from Woodward, didn't I? Yeah. Um, and so, like, like that's the list that this is from, um, or this is the list that that's from, um, where I count down like my top singles, my top EPs, and my top LPs. And so you'll get a pretty good idea of who I think deserves a recognition. Uh, my number one LP from this year. Uh, full-length album was Adam and Kizzy, who, even though they've had like a phenomenal year, um, I mean, they came out with this amazing album called Three Do, uh, which is the book of Edu Volume Three. And Adam, of Adam and Kizzy, Adam Ledbetter has just been all over this OK Sessions stuff lately, with OK Sessions doing the jazz sessions at Saints and so on and so forth. Um, who he's just an, an incredible jazz pianist. Um, and then having like, you know, this project with his wife, Adam and Kizzy, um, which doesn't really have a genre, um, not quite. And, uh, they actually had like entered into an online contest, um, I think over the summer or the spring. And it was like, you know, one of those where, you know, it's popular vote or whatever. And it's like, okay, what's this? But it was, uh. It was an opportunity that they ended up getting like second place in the whole contest, like in the whole country, ended up flying out to like California and like meeting Usher and like, like this is stuff that happens to, to like, uh, you know, an act in Oklahoma and so many people have no idea about it. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Um, and Adam and Kizzy had like their release show at the Tower Theater um, back in June, I think. I wasn't able to go because I was out of state, but, um, like, that's just one example. Um, a lot of people, like, you know, Flaming Lips is the obvious one, and then, like, country music. Um, and then if you go a layer below that, um, people know about Broncho, and then uh, Sports is another one. 
um, where they're, they're kind of like really big in certain indie rock circles. Um, but it's like, if you go just a bit below that, you find so much stuff. And um, yeah, Adam and Kizzy is just like one example. Um, there's, there's tons of bands. And I mean, I come up with 50 different bands like every year, like very few of them have like overlapped Repeated. and come back. Right. Um, Johnny Manchild's one that has. Uh, Johnny Manchild was my number three EP of last year, or of 2017, I should say. And then 2018, he came out with this LP called Insomnia. It was like my number five. Johnny Manchild is insanely good. <laughs> you need to see Johnny Manchild if you haven't. If you're into like piano rock um, with like horn section, but like with a lot of like attitude, it's really good stuff. And I don't think he gets the recognition he deserves, even though he gets quite a bit of it. Um, there's, there's tons. You mentioned Special Thumbs. Uh, they've been working on an album all year, so I think they're probably gonna blow back up here this year. Flock of Pigs have kind of been working on new stuff too, um, but they released a really trippy, cool uh, music video last year that's definitely worth checking out. Um, I mean, I, I could really go all night with this, um, but I think a, a pretty shorthand way to keep up with that is the Big Fifty, because uh, I really do kind of put everything in there well, yeah as i say that's like the the it's like your big project yeah for it's the my big year. project yeah. yeah it's a i mean i keep a list running all year and it's like the hardest thing about it is honestly just choosing who doesn't get to be in there because there's so much stuff right it's like sophie's choice <laughs> um <laughs> who can so, i leave uh, out right um so uh yeah, I mean, uh, whatever whatever genre of music you like, I mean, even if you think, uh, I mean, it may not, if you're really picky about music, there's probably not like, you know, a Japanese language. Yeah, your exact math, thing. rock, you know, jazz <laughs> fusion thing. But if you take pieces of that, I'll be like, oh, you like jazz fusion? Um, or if you like, you know, really technical stuff like that. Check out Local Man Ruins Everything. If you like foreign language stuff, um, we got a thing called Karger Traum, which is like German, um, you know, and there's like uh, a lot of stuff, um, you know, all sorts of different subgenres of hip hop. A lot of people do throwback stuff. There's lots of people who are doing the trap thing. Um, we got really good R&B artists, uh, metal artists classic metal artists really hardcore stuff uh the emo scene is really huge right now especially in tulsa um and i mean i could list like a number of acts from each and every one of those categories so i mean if you're really curious you're even welcome to hit me a, a message or something <laughs> like i have i have it an goes open down email and, yeah so it goes down um but there's there's a lot um that I mean, I think Adam and Kizzy's a really good example of one that really had an amazing year, and there's still so many people who haven't heard of them. Um, but there's there's a lot of bands like that. Haniwa is a personal favorite of mine who had a really nice year in 2017. Came out with a phenomenal album, really thought out, really introspective, really conceptual and smart. And so many people don't... I mean, even if they've heard of them, they don't really even think that much of them because... They don't sound, you know, of a particular trend or whatever. Right. It's not what's popping right now. Right. Oh, I mean, there is stuff that's popping. If you're looking for stuff that's popping too, uh, especially a lot of hip hop stuff that's happening right now. Um, 
I don't know. I could mention tons of hip hop people, <laughs> but that's what the Dez episodes are for, right? Yeah. <laughs> She's got a corner on that market, Jarvis. Right. Uh, I'm not trying to get yeah. Dez's bad side. Right. If there's anyone, I don't want to be on their bad side. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure about that. Nah, shout out to Des. She's shout awesome. Shout out to Des. Jarvix, man, I appreciate you coming through and talking, sure. talking tunes and tunes, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can follow? I mean, I know you've, you've plugged a little bit, but tell people where they can follow your projects. Right, right. Keep up with you and everything you got going on, man. So, uh, yeah, if you're into the music coverage stuff, which at this particular time, uh, there's not a lot of us doing it right now. Um, follow uh, Make Oklahoma Weirder. Uh, it's uh, makeoklahomaweirder.com, and if you follow me on social media, it's at weirderok. That's W-E-I-R-D-E-R-O-K, um, which is the same on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, I'm decently pretty active on all of those platforms. And uh, I also have a YouTube channel with Make Oklahoma Weirder. I put up a vlog every single week, or at least I try to, um, and it usually comes out on Friday. And I mean, it's just, I talk about stuff that's happening for like 10 minutes. Uh, that's also on IGTV if you're an Instagram user. Um, so at the very least, um, I have that vlog that I put out, but then the blog itself is kind of for bigger things like album reviews and interviews and things of that nature. The big 50 just came out. Um, so that's, that's all over the website right now. Um, but yeah, that's something I, I only intend to keep growing and, uh, keep making a thing. And so make Oklahoma weirder. Uh, it's a big part of that. Um, if you, if you are interested in me as a musician or as a singer songwriter or whatever you want to call me, um, I typically do live shows with like a looping pedal as a solo artist. Um, but I, I tend to have a lot of fun. If you want to have some fun, I got some shows coming up. Um, Jarvix.net is my website. Uh, so long as nobody steals my URL like they did on my last website. Oh, what? Um, <laughs> yeah. That's whack. Yeah, I had jarvikshmarviks.com for a while, and then, like, something lapsed somewhere, and then, like, somebody swapped it. The domain yeah. lapsed. And they were like, okay, it's like $7,000 to have Bitches, your domain back. Man. And I'm like, no. Freaking holding your domain hostage. And I was like, well, jarviks.net's easier anyway. Yeah. Um, but I am jarviksmarviks on social media, so that's... Jarvix, J-A-R-V-I-X, Schmarvix, S-C-H-M-A-R-V-I-X. Uh, that, again, that's the same across Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, so that's usually where I post, you know, my music stuff uh, that I'm doing. Um, you're probably listening to this in February. So uh, I do have some shows coming up I'll mention real quick. Uh, February 23rd, I'm at The Root. Um uh, which is near the Paseo. I'm playing kind of an experimental set, which I've been doing a lot lately, uh, improv improvised experimental sets um, with uh, a guy from Tulsa who's a uh, cellist. Um, he's, uh, he's kind of an experimental looping cellist player. And then uh, Super Sharp Snakes is a new solo project from John Wilkerson, who is from the So Help Me's. Um, so we're all doing a bill at The Root on the 23rd of February, which I'm very excited about. Um, and Norman at the Red Brick Bar on March 24th, I am opening for a traveling act called Pocket Vinyl, um, who are a two-person act. One person uh, who plays keyboards and does a singer-songwriter performance, while another person paints a painting. Holy shit. 
and then at the end of the show, the painting gets auctioned off. What? That's tight. Yeah, it's really cool. And on top of that, um, their date here is part of a tour. It is a 45-day tour where they play in every single state of the United States. What the shit? They are attempting to break a world record for having played all 50 states in the shortest amount of time. That's tight. And so it ends in Hawaii. <laughs> Very tight. But, uh, yeah, they're coming to Red Brick Bar, and I'm going to be on a bill with them. I'm really excited about that. Um, and then I'm also going to mention April 6th. Um, I've got a show at Blue Note, uh, which if you're into the smoky bar scene, uh, I do love Blue Note. They get really cool music out there, and they're really supportive of music. And... Sometimes people pay attention, and it's amazing. Um, but uh, I've got a band coming through from Arizona uh, called Snail Mate. Not to be confused with Snail Mail, different band, um, but Snail Mate is a really one-of-a-kind band that I've uh, been on a bill with a couple times, and it's the first time I've actually gotten them on like a weekend bill like at a big bar like that. So really excited about that. They do kind of like a synth-pop hip-hop thing. And it's a two-person act. Um, there's one person who's on keyboards and does like these really wacky synth, like keyboard lines that are kind of funky, and then has like a sort of verbal flow that's a lot like rap, but doesn't have the attitude of rap. It's it's a little bit more, I don't know. It's it's interesting, but it's it's really good. Um, and then like the drummer occasionally will interject with like death metal screams shit and it's a lot of fun and they're really really fun uh performance wise and music wise so um though i have other shows coming up too you can always check that out at jarvix.net slash events um i do a lot of weird stuff um but those are three shows that i'm uh, that are coming up that i'm really excited about so i wanted to plug those and lastly one more thing um i do host an open mic as well um, I host the first Wednesday open mic at the deli, which is a Norman. So uh, we get started at 1030. Sign up is at 10. So it is a late one. Um, but we are in a college town. So it's kind of how you get away with it. Um, we run till the bar closes. So um, I'm there every first Wednesday. I usually perform a couple songs myself. And then we just open it up to whoever shows up. It's not strictly a music mic. The Deli is known for being a music venue, but they let me have a variety mic. So if you're a comedian, if you're a performance artist, if you're a spoken word artist, what have you, um, you can do that on the Deli stage. It's a very rare opportunity. So very tight, um, dude. And it's completely free to come in. You just got to be 21 or older. So uh, check that as uh, that that out as well. You can follow the Deli Mike at Deli Mike. That's D E L I M I C. That's on Instagram and Facebook, but not Twitter. And I that's think cool. that's everything Damn, I have to that plug. Was, that was very well done. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's your time to like talk about it. People get, it's funny. People are like, oh, I said too many things. I'm like, no, right. it's your time to talk about what you got going on. If you got a lot going on, you can have a, an extensive plug time. Like, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, and uh, I mean, stay tuned for sure because I've got stuff in the works too. Yeah, and we'll be sure to say, uh, share your stuff oh, that'd on the cool. Facebook page and everything, cool. and Insta germs. But yeah, man, as always, guys, you can follow us on social media, Tunes Tunes Podcast. That's T U N E S slash T O O N S. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you find your podcasts. Jarvik, thanks again, Holmes. 
Thank you greatly. Yeah.